And welcome back into the Bama Beat Podcast, brought to you by Wickles Pickles. And second day in a row, this is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again for the second day in a row with Brett Hudson. Brett, how are you doing this morning, brother? I'm good, man. What's up? Nothing much. Uh, just, you know, doing a little college football talk. Uh, you know, there's there's some pretty big games going on this weekend, so there's a lot to be, you know, kind of looking at. And I think Alabama's got a pretty big game, too, if I'm not mistaken. Is this not the game of the weekend for you? Uh, no, I was, you know, I'm pretty sure like SMU plays, uh, you know, UCF or something. I don't, and that's not the, I mean, it's, that's it's not the, the game. game day game. So there's, there's that. Um, I let's, let's quickly, let's quickly make this case for, for this to be the, the game of the, of the week. I mean, what else could it possibly be? Um, let's see. Pitt Miami, maybe, but I mean, that's not going to. It's not going to register, but it's it's a halfway decent game in the ACC. Uh, UCF and Memphis is the game you were thinking of. That's right. Yep. Um, boy, that LSU Florida game could have been very different if not for the events of last week. Yeah, and yeah, really the uh, the events since the start of the season uh, with LSU losing now they're they're now one and two. Right. Uh, I think the, I guess it's it's the same concept as Oklahoma Texas. You know, combined three and three uh, in you know conference play haven't been two teams that we thought they were going to be. So yeah, I mean, I, I was obviously joking. I, I can't even really think of any game that's going to come close to being you know, as important as this game is going to be against well, you know. Well, Alabama it's the and Georgia. Game in the nation, Alabama, Georgia, but it's the, the second biggest game in the state because Jacksonville State and North Alabama play this week. Do they really? I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, one o'clock on ESPN three for for those of you that want to get some some FCS action in your lives. See, that's that's why we why we keep you around, Brett. And you're always up to date on all that stuff. And I'm actually going to try to tune into, into that at least a little bit. If, uh, if I need to break down Central Arkansas and Missouri State, I can. Okay, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, But yes. Uh, Missouri State, do you know who Missouri State's head coach is by chance? No, absolutely not. You know his name, you just don't know that he's at Missouri State right now, if that helps. Uh, I feel like that I have heard this, actually. It's Bobby Petrino. Oh, of course. Yeah, he had that video prior to the, the season, right, where... Uh, he's throwing the football, or the mascot's throwing the football and breaks the window. Did you see that little? No, clip? I missed that. I need to. I need to find this. It was probably the cheesiest thing I think I've ever seen. Uh, I, it, it was, I, I probably need to be careful in googling Bobby Petrino video. <laughs> you probably do. Uh, probably need a little more specific than that to make sure I don't get something nefarious on my on my Google search history, huh? Yeah. It's, uh, oh, it's, here we go. Yeah, here we go. It's, uh, I'll, I'll play it after. I don't want to. I don't want to blast the audio over the, the pod, but anyway, um, I guess we should talk about Alabama, Georgia now. Yeah, this has been very thrown together to start this, which is kind of <laughs> expected. I feel like it, you know, we're just we're just doing this. We're just a couple dudes talking we're a little football. We're we're just trying to we're just trying to convince people that this is an actual podcast for another week. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, but the, we do have a really big game. You we know, do uh, to to talk to talk about today. Alabama, Georgia, um, you know, a lot of history between these two teams. I, I mean, you know, maybe not compared to other teams. I mean, they've played what, like five or six, I guess six times during the Nick Saban era. 
and Alabama's won the last five. Uh, but the only two unbeaten teams left in the SEC. After this week, there's only going to be one unbeaten team. It's only week four. That typically does not happen by this point in the season, but that's what happens when you have a conference-only schedule and you have teams like Florida getting upset by you know, Texas A&M and, and LSU falling by the wayside like we all thought they were going to. Uh, you know, This is how we kind of reached this conclusion. And, and what's interesting about that is, you know, and, and to kind of kick things off, we'll get into the, the X's and O's and, and the actual game, but we have to be dangerously close to Georgia locking up the, the uh, SEC East. Obviously, it's pretty much at this point, you beat Florida, you're good, right? Um, okay. Even if they lose to Alabama. If you're Alabama, that, they're getting dangerously close to locking up the SEC West. Now, granted, that, that, that actually means still going out there and winning games. As far as you know, them already uh, being declared the winner of the West, that hadn't happened. But we're getting close where it's like, if you beat Auburn, you're pretty right. good. Winning the West, not mathematically winning it. Exactly. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, you got to think LSU losing two games, plus they still have Alabama on the schedule. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- there's going to be, it, it's not like it's a guarantee, but it's looking a lot more likely that we're going to see Alabama, Georgia in the SEC championship like we all predicted. There were some pr- people who were predicting Florida, and that could still very well happen. But, you know, with Florida and what happened with them, if, if Georgia wins, they have a huge leg up in that division, and Alabama right now is looking pretty good. So this might it's probably not going to be the only time that we see this game, and that could make for an interesting conversation when that rolls around, if that rolls around. But for now – Well, see, you uh, say that about what everyone predicted, and, and you and I both did, but in the preseason media poll, Florida actually won the East. And a lot of people had Florida. Uh, you're you're kind of right. And I always I go back it. to I, – I never saw it. Yeah. And granted, they, they had some turnover on the defensive side of the football. And I thought they were going to be a good team. Surprisingly enough, when I was thinking about Florida going into this season with Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask, I, I viewed Kyle Trask a lot more as a game manager. He was a, a very, very good and efficient game manager last year. He's kind of taken that next step and surprised me. But with, with him, I thought the offense wouldn't be as good as they are now. I thought they'd be good, just not one of those like elite SEC offenses. And I thought the defense would be a lot better. Uh, I, even though that they had some turnover, I like some of their pieces in the secondary uh, and, and, you know, with Marco Wilson and Kari Elam and Sean Davis, uh, Ventrell Miller, the, the off-ball linebacker, they had a lot to like uh, as far as their defense, but it just hasn't come together much in the same way that it had come together for Alabama. They're two very similar teams right now as far as where they're struggling, where they're having to make up for it, and we saw what can happen to uh, you know inferior uh, Texas A&M team, in my opinion, when when you don't have that side of the football locked up and, and you have a more of a balanced approach from you know g- having a, a defense that's able to get a couple of key stops and then an offense that's good enough to put some points on the board like A&M did against that uh, vulnerable Florida defense. So Alabama, you know, that it's it's no guarantee they got some things to fix, but the way that the SEC East is shaking out um, is very interesting and in this game between you know because what happens is, is if Alabama beats Georgia because Florida didn't have to play Alabama that evens things up and, and you're still in pretty good shape if you're Georgia as long as you beat Florida you should win you know a lot of pretty much every other game that you have but um, it, it does make it to where that game uh, you know between Florida and Georgia will determine the east and much in the same way unless something drastic happens 
even if Alabama loses to Georgia, it, that's where things start to come down to, okay, it, the Iron Bowl is probably going to dictate who actually ends up winning the SEC West because Alabama's already played Texas A&M. LSU already has two losses, including um, – yeah, well, I mean, and plus they're playing Florida this weekend, so it just seems like that that's gonna how it's gonna be how it shakes out. But you got to take this one game at a time, and whichever team wins this game on Saturday, it's gonna be that much more tougher to win in the SEC championship. And so that'll be something that is worth monitoring for the rest of the season. But for this matchup, Brett, what do you got? What are some of your thoughts on it going in? Before the matchup, would it surprise you if? In this scenario where presuming happens that Bama and Georgia play here, both teams win their respective divisions of the SEC, and they play again in the SEC title game, would it surprise you if I told you it would be the first time Bama and Georgia did that, play each other twice in the same season? That would be the uh, interesting. Well, I mean, I definitely, you know, if you think about it, that's that's 100% true for, um, you know, during the Nick Saban era, but for, you're but saying a period. In, in entirety. Wow, that that is same season twice. That is news um, to me. They, they played each other twice in the same calendar year because they played each other in the national championship game on January eighth, two thousand eighteen, and then played each other in the ensuing SEC title game on December first, two thousand eighteen. So they played each other in twice in the same calendar year, but never twice in the same season because both time in all times in the Saban era. They've both made the SEC championship game. It wasn't in a year where they played each other in the regular season. If you go back through the history of the SEC's uh, championship game through uh, 1992, they had never been in the SEC championship game and regular season opponents in the in the same season. So if it does happen, it would be the the first time they played each other in the same season twice. That's actually super interesting. And, you know, with the last win for Georgia over Alabama came back in 2007, the Matthew Stafford overtime game. Um, I think that was Nick Saban's first loss at Alabama. And uh, and then, of course, the, the following season, you had the blackout blowout. Uh, you know, it ended up not being that much of a blowout. I think the final score was something like 42 or 41 to 30 or something like that. And then I've got it right uh, here. Yeah. 41, 30. Yeah, so you know, only in an eleven-point victory, but they absolutely manhandled, uh, you know, Georgia for the first half, and then in twenty fifteen, you had the blowout win. It was like a, a four-touchdown victory for Alabama. You had, but outside of those games, you've had a lot of good quality, especially when they meet up in the SEC championship. Really, if you think about it, when they meet up outside of the SEC championship, that first matchup was fantastic. Alabama was on the losing end, but since then, it's been Alabama big in both other games. But when they have actually met up in the SEC championship in all three uh, games, it's been you know a lot of fun to watch, a lot of intensity. And, you know, anxiety if you're an Alabama fan or a Georgia fan. And Alabama's been able to come out on top in all three of those. But it'll be interesting to see these two teams match up in the regular season when everything's not over. Because the the last three times that they've played in the SEC championship, it's been, you know, winner moves on to to play for a national championship. The loser, you know, know, falls by the wayside. And, And so that'll be a very interesting twist this year because, you know, regardless of who loses, uh, both teams will be able to approach and say, well, you know, if we do lose, which you never are going to want to, but it's not this, we have to win this football game if we want to 
go to the college football playoff. And, and so I think that that will be interesting to keep teams maybe as motivated as they would have been otherwise. But George is going to so, have a heck of a lot to play for. So let's get to the matchup and, and do it this way. Make the case for Alabama to win. For me, uh, it's a couple of things. A lot of people right now, uh, the most talked about storyline, at least from the you know the fact that the, the fun storyline is going to be Alabama's offense versus Georgia's defense because both of those are extremely efficient, effective units, and both respectively, you know, as far as how they're viewed nationally, both rank at or near the top. Uh, mm-hmm. But to me, where this game is going to be won and lost, because I think both Georgia's defense and Alabama's offense is going to have their fair share of wins. It's going to be th- this matchup is going to be dictated based off of who can have the m- more success between two struggling units in Alabama's defense versus Georgia's offense. I think that's the much bigger important factor here um, when when looking at how things kind of play out because Stetson Bennett. He's kind of got that game manager label. Uh, he was kind of exposed, in my opinion, against Tennessee. Uh, he can't be a game manager against Alabama. You know, it, typically in the past, you need dominant quarterback play to beat Alabama. You know, you're talking about Joe Burrow. You're talking about Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, uh, Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton, and even in a singular game, you know, Stephen Garcia uh, for South Carolina back in the day. For that singular game, he was at the elite status and, and really one of the few – uh, examples that does not fit that narrative is Bo Nix last year in the Iron Bowl. He never really reached the elite status, but he made a couple of really crazy throws in that football game and was able to do just enough. And when you get a couple of pick sixes to, to kind of help you out, that certainly you know is is another recipe. You know Alabama can't be having pick sixes against Georgia if they want to win the football game. But to me, that is a very important factor here: is which struggling unit is able to get enough wins from an uh, on an individual basis to make the difference in this football game do you agree or disagree I, I i can see the case for it so so make the case that it's alabama's defense getting those wins more than georgia's offense for me um i, I think that georgia's like alabama's defense is, is figuring things out and i just think that alabama's defense matches up better against a georgia style offense they, there's not as much flash pre-snap uh, what they're trying to throw at you. It, Lane Kiffin in that Ole Miss offense had an excellent game plan to be throwing at Alabama. They were confused from the get-go, and when like we talked about it yesterday, when you're not playing, when you're confused, you're not playing confidently, and when you're not playing confidently, that can lead to blown assignments, that can lead to unnecessary penalties, it can lead to missed tackles. It, it, it affects the entire way that you play defense, and I think Georgia's going to try to throw some things at Alabama to confuse them. Um, I mean, you would be you know, dumb not to, to be honest, but I just don't think they're going to be able to do it to the degree that um, uh, Ole Miss was able to do this past weekend. And even Texas A&M, you have a veteran quarterback with Kellen Mond. You have a veteran offensive line. Uh, you know, you had, and, and Jalen Watermeyer is one of the best tight ends in college football, and they had a running back in, in Anaya Smith who can do a lot of different things out of the backfield as a runner uh, to really – and Tyler Beatty from Missouri was the same way. That's kind of smaller back who can do a lot of different things. That's the kind of player that right now is give, giving Alabama's defense fits, and Georgia's got a lot of really good players in their backfield, but I don't know if they necessarily have that guy who can just do so many different things. And so I think that Alabama's defense matches up a lot better – and to me, that plays in their favor. Uh, so, you know, agree or so, disagree? 
Are, are you saying that Georgia's less than modern offensive stylings are costing it chances it wins? <laughs> that is exactly what I'm saying. Huh. And, and you've never heard that before, though, have you? Yeah, well, I'm, I feel like I've heard that before somewhere, but it's it's evading me. I can't. Man, I must have I must have like read it somewhere, right? <laughs> who, who knows? Who could say? Really? Um, you you make good points, obviously, and and I think for the most part I agree. The counterpoint to it would be, and and I wrote about this um, for tiesports.com. It's on the website first thing Tuesday morning, so it's it's available as you're as you're listening to this. Georgia started to introduce a little bit of a tight end action into their offense last week, and, and I don't think I need to tell anyone who's invested enough in Alabama football to listen to a podcast about it that Bama can't really cover tight ends and, and running backs as pass threats right now. Anaya Smith at Texas A&M was a big example of that. Kenny Yaboa was a big example of that with Ole Miss, and you mentioned uh, Jalen Weidermeyer for Texas A&M, Texas A&M excuse me, as well. And all of that is is in the story, so there's a bunch of numbers on that. You can find more of it there, but te- but Georgia has a little bit of that now in Trey McKitty, a Florida State transfer um, who had a minor knee injury early in preseason practice that kept him out of the first two games of their season, but he got into the fold a little bit last week against Tennessee, and um, he, he has two catches for close to 50 yards, I think. So they, they turn to him immediately once they have him available. So if, if Alabama continues to be completely unable to cover tight ends and, and running backs in the passing game, Georgia has very recently found a tight end in its passing game. That's Yeah, and that's certainly uh, an interesting point. And for when looking at Alabama's defense, when you look at the guys that they have up front with DJ Dale, with um, you know uh, Justin Aboigbe, Justin Aboigbe maybe maybe not as much so, but Fedarian Mathis, you know Tim Smith, if they can get him more involved, they have guys who I feel like it has not shown against defenses, you know, especially against Ole Miss. Ole Miss pretty much had their way running the football against Alabama's front. And I think a lot of that had to do with the strain and the emphasis that was being, that was having to be put on the pass with Georgia. I think you can key in a lot more so on the run and say, okay, what we plan to do, because if you sell out to stop the run against Ole Miss, they're going to torch you with the passing game because that is what their bread and butter is anyways. With Georgia, they rely on the run to have offensive success. So if you can take that away, sell out a lot more so and say, we're going to make Stetson Bennett beat us with his arm. He's got a little bit of mobility. Uh, you could definitely need to take that into consideration. He's going to be able to extend some plays some. But if you say our goal is to make Stetson Bennett beat us, I think that that helps Alabama's chances. And it, that's another reason why I think that they uh, match up so well against Georgia. And, and, and when I say match up so well, that does not mean to a point of dominating them. It's to a point of them being able to get more stops against Georgia than they were against Ole Miss. And, uh, and, and the difference being enough stops to where you can say, okay, even though Alabama's offense is not going to have nearly as much success against Georgia's defense as it did Ole Miss's. I think they have enough to to make a difference in this football game, and it starts with selling out for the run, making Stetson Bennett beat you. Fair enough. I can I can see that now. Now flip it on its head. Make a case for for Georgia to come to Bryant Denny and win. 
Are it's you, interesting. You Say what? Are you struggling to, to find one? No. No, uh, because and here here's the reason that I, I did kind of delay in how I started, because the way that I'm looking at this Alabama offense, you know, the, the thing that most people are going to point to is they're going to say, well, Alabama's offense has not seen anybody close to the caliber of, of Georgia's defense. And that's what's going to be the biggest thing that plays into Georgia's favor. Well, if you think back and you look at that game between uh Georgia and LSU in the SEC championship, that is a game. Georgia pretty much had the same defense, and they were playing at an elite level. And I want to say that LSU won like 37 to 10 or something like that, 38 to 10. And it was a late touchdown that even closed the gap to what it was. It was like 38 or 37 to 3 for, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter with the game actually needing to go back and forth. And what you saw was an elite offense in most of these situations, clearly ends up outperforming the elite defenses. And we've seen it, Oklahoma against Georgia in the first round of the college football playoffs several years ago, or a couple of years ago. You see it with Clemson and Alabama when they had elite defenses. They go against Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson still ends up, you know, he struggles a little bit. He doesn't have, you know, all the success that he has against a lot of other teams. Uh, but overall, these elite offenses end up prevailing over the elite defenses. And, when, and I'm not saying that Alabama's offense is necessarily quite on the caliber of that historically good LSU offense last year. But when you start to break it down, you you know, you have the elite QB and Joe Burrow. Mac Jones right now is playing like an elite quarterback. I'm sorry, but he is maybe not to the same degree as Joe Burrow, but, uh, you know, really close. But they had the complimentary ground game with Claude Edwards-Alaire, who also had some uh, receiving skills out of the backfield. Alabama has that with Najee Harris, who also has some uh, receiving skills out of the backfield. You've got Brian Robinson as well. You had the Joe Moore caliber offensive line with LSU. Uh, I think right now Alabama's offensive line is certainly capable of being Joe Moore, a Joe Moore award winner. Uh, you talk about the, the weapons in the passing game. I don't think that Alabama's trio is quite on the level of a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Terrace Marshall. But Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and John Mechie is, is still very hard to defend because they can throw so many different things at you. The biggest differences between that LSU team last year and, and what Alabama's working with this year is, and especially when they played Georgia compared to Alabama about to play Georgia, was LSU had really good tight end play with Thaddeus Moss and Steven Sullivan. Miller Forrestal has been fine. Carl Tucker, Cameron Latou, they got a nice little combination there, but I just don't know that it's necessarily the equivalent. But then also, by the time that LSU played Georgia in the SEC Championship last year, their defense was playing at a much more elite level. And, you know, they started off last year really struggling, kind of like Alabama, not to the same degree, but but pretty close. And over the course of the season, they continue to get better. And if you're an Alabama fan or a player or a coach, you got to hope that that's exactly what happens with Alabama's defense because there's still plenty of talent on that side of the football. But, um, you know, that that is also a key difference. That's where there was that big of a gap. But I still look at that and I say, I just I feel like, that Alabama, you know, it will be a similar game, but Georgia will have more success offensively than, of course, they did against LSU last year. But I still think that's enough for Alabama to get a, a very decent, sizable win. I'm not going to guarantee that, but the, the the main thing that people are going to point to with that elite defense that we still don't necessarily know is elite. You can look at last year and say they were elite last year. They returned a ton of those starters on that side of the football, but the offenses that they played this year – Georgia's able to sell out against Tennessee, stop the run, and say, Jarrett Garantano beat us, and he couldn't do it. 
uh, you, you try to sell out for Alabama's run game and say Mac Jones beat us. He can do it. He's certainly capable of doing it. And with, with it's the same way with LSU last year. There was just no way that you can sell out for one particular thing and and win the football game. And that's how LSU was able to have offense success against one of the best defenses in the nation. So it's just it's tough for me right now. Even though, like, I don't want to sound like a homer, I'm not being a homer. I'm just, I'm looking at this very logically, and I'm saying, where do I think Georgia is going to have a huge advantage? And, and I just, I don't, mostly because of the belief that I think the offense uh, is going to prevail like they do in a lot of these games. I, I'm, I'm in a pretty similar boat. Um, uh, just looking at this analytically, <clears throat> I'm not sure that I can make a ironclad case for for Georgia. The, the one part of the aspect of Alabama's offense versus Georgia's defense that interests me is even though Alabama's run game was slightly underwhelming in the first two games against Missouri and Texas A&M, it wasn't completely useless. Like Georgia has made opposing run games completely useless. In three games, Georgia is allowing 1.49 yards per carry. Their opponents have run 77 times for 115 yards. Their uh, opponents have been completely useless against Georgia. And to put some context on the 1.49 yards per carry allowed last year, actually, in each of the last two seasons, the national leader had roughly 2.5 yards per carry allowed. Um Georgia has just made people's run games completely useless. And Alabama hasn't really had to deal with that. Now, it wasn't great against Missouri. They ran 36 times for 111 yards for 3.08 yards per carry. That it, There was three touchdowns there, though. It was a little bit better against Texas A&M, 28 carries for 109 yards for 3.89 yards per carry. And uh, naturally, because Mac Jones has been just incredible, uh, Bama's been able to live and die with their passing attack. I mean, he's he's averaging Alabama's averaging 12.7 yards per attempt, completing 78% of their passes, eight touchdowns to one pick. They've been able to live off of their passing attack, but they haven't had to do so all the way. They've still had something of a run game, and I, I'm curious if Georgia is able to completely win that battle. If if Georgia is able to do what it did to Tennessee, Auburn, and Arkansas in terms of, of run defense. Is Alabama's pass game good enough to hold up those numbers while it has zero run game as opposed to having a little bit of run game? That's that's probably the only thing that gives me pause for Alabama scoring enough to win this game. Well, see, to me, and I've heard this from a lot of different people as far as, you know, Alabama's you know run game hasn't been – great until uh Ole Miss if you think but nine carries for one yard for for Trey Sanders once they were tinkering with the offensive line and you had your third string running back in there who's barely seen any touches since then uh really affected those numbers but Najee Harris averaged 5.8 yards per carry and almost rushed for 100 yards on only 17 carries against uh Missouri and Brian Robinson Jr. only got four carries the entire game which a lot of people thought was pretty low but he averaged four and a half yards a carry so they had plenty of success with Najee Harris and their standard run game when they were actually wanting to to uh, want, uh, run the football and they weren't tinkering and playing around. And it was kind of the same way uh, a little bit with, um, with Texas A&M. A&M, they actually had a lot less success. Najee Harris was able to be kind of a bull uh, down near the goal line, but they just, you know, with the way that Texas A&M could not stop 
uh, Mac Jones in the Alabama passing game and you're hitting huge play after huge play taking these shots, um, you just you didn't need your run game to be as good. And I actually think that that uh, Texas A&M defensive front, despite the fact that Florida had a lot of success, um, is, is pretty good. And they just had a good day against Alabama. Uh, but I think Alabama's run game, everybody said that it was a breakout performance against Ole Miss, which is making people counter and say, well, is it truly a breakout if you're going against Ole Miss? I think Alabama broke out from the very get-go because Najee Harris, you know, I've gone back and watched that game. He pretty much had his way with the uh, with the Missouri defense. And, and so and Missouri's defense doesn't come close to touching Georgia's. I'm not trying to make that argument. I just think that this Alabama run game is a lot more established than, than people are giving it credit for. And I think that they are going to really struggle against Georgia's defense. Don't get me wrong. I think they have enough success there and they try to keep it as balanced as possible to where you have to respect the run. If you're Georgia, you know, you, you can't, um, you know, kind of just start selling out for the pass because you're like, well, we're doing a good job of handling the run game. The, the difference is with a lot of these teams, when you're trying to, when you're Arkansas and you got Rakeem Boyd and, and Georgia's, you know, pretty much shutting him down, you turn to Felipe Franks, who's actually been fairly decent this year, but he's not Mac Jones. And he doesn't have the weapons around him that Mac Jones has. When you're talking about Tennessee, you know, they completely, you know, negative one yard rushing is what they allowed in that game, they made Tennessee completely one-dimensional, and who does it fall on? Jarrett Garantano. Jarrett Garantano is even isn't even in the same ballpark as Mac Jones. So, and what this is sounding like is I'm I'm building all this up to say I think Alabama is just going to work Georgia, and there are emotional factors here. Georgia is itching to get a chance to beat Alabama after what has happened, where they have dominated Alabama for the better part of of the last two games they've played and just got beaten right there at the end in both matchups. They want a chance to right that ship, and they're going to be extra motivated to do so. But if you're talking about strictly X's and O's and how teams are going to try to attack the other and you kind of remove emotion, which you can't completely do, but as we're trying to analyze it, we have it would be a pure guessing game to guess the emotional aspect for both teams. So when you're just breaking down the X's and O's, that's why I say there it, this plays so heavily in Alabama's favor because even though what Georgia's strengths are, typically don't prevail in games like this where Alabama strengths are. And, and that's why it's just, I, I, I'll go ahead and tell you that minus six for Alabama uh, with the way that they've performed, uh, because on paper you would think a lot of different things. The, the games have, have kind of played out a lot differently than a lot of people predicted in a lot of these, but on paper out, uh, it should be Alabama minus six, minus six and a half, whatever it is all day. I was going to get to the, the spread to, to end, but the, the one more one more thing I want to point out, and, and I'm going to go like super deep into the numbers on this for later in the week. The, the story will be on tiesports.com later in the week. Follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson to know when it drops. Third down when Alabama has the ball. Probably there, there's a decent chance that decides the game. Alabama has the second best um third down offense in the nation. They're converting 64.5% of the time. The only offense better is Temple, and they've only played one game, and they went eight for 12. So probably some some small sample impacting things there for, for Temple's end. I, I would assume that when Temple gets up to three games, they're not going to be converting more than 64.5% of their third downs, and, and Bama's going to have the best third down offense in the country. On the flip side, Georgia – is 10th in the nation in third down defense. Their, their opponents convert 
28.2% of the time. Um, so you're getting probably the best third down offense in America against one of the best third down defenses in America. That that could very well um, decide it. So I, I'm looking at the uh, Vegas Insider Consensus, which has and actually, BetMGM is is the same way. So both both apply. BetMGM has it as a 57 over under, with Bama favored by six. So that's a rough final score of what, like 31 to 25. Yes, something like that. 31 yeah. to 25. Okay, so something in in 31 and a half, 25 and a half. Yeah, more or less. That's the. Uh, that's the roughly projected final score um, from BetMGM's um, listing. It sounds like you're taking Bama to cover that. Would you lean over or under? Oh, man. Um, I, I think that that's, that's pretty spot on. If I had to put a score for Alabama, it would be you know anywhere from uh, 31 to 35 and, and for Georgia anywhere from 24 to 28. So there are scenarios in, in there when I do this range thing, it, it's, it's me essentially saying there are situations, plenty of situations that could play out where Alabama doesn't cover that six, but there's also a lot where they do, they could win up to 10 points. You know, they could win up to, there's a lot, there's just a wide range, but that's exactly where I would have put it was in that exact where they have it. So it's hard for me to sit there and say, oh, I'm hammering the over or I'm hammering the under. I feel like that's a pretty uh, solid place to put it, and it could, it could uh, finish either way. Do you have any thoughts on it? Uh, the only thought I have on it is this. If the game goes over 57, there's probably, what, like a 10% chance that Georgia won it? Yeah, that's a very good point, yes. Right, like do you see a scenario where – this game has 58 or more total points and Georgia won it. No, I find that really, really hard to believe. Yeah. I mean, w- w- at that point, you're going to essentially say that the style of, of offense that Georgia runs is having massive success on, on the ground, in my opinion, against Alabama's defense. And they're able to play a lot of stuff with Stetson Bennett off of that. And that's what is allowing them to get that number up. And I just don't think that's going to be the case. So I, I think that's an excellent point by you. You got anything else? No, I think that's going to do it. Uh, this, you know, not an overly long podcast. Uh, we didn't really need for it to be keep it short and sweet for the people. Uh, we always appreciate you guys contributing. Definitely go give us a five star on you know any of those you know Apple Podcast, um, Spotify, anything that you listen to it on. on go give us a, a nice little review. We love doing these. We're getting to where we can do them more consistently. We've got kind of got a schedule worked out. We weren't able to do the uh, the Pick'em podcast last week mostly because I was busy. Plus Hunter and Cecil were able to break down that basketball commitment that Alabama got. And so that gave us three for the week. So I decided just to call it and not try to reschedule and put it out Saturday morning for a pick and podcast, that podcast that was only going to be useful for a couple of hours. So we were able, I did get the picks from everybody. I'm going to have those logged and we're going to be talking about where everybody currently sits after three weeks. Uh, I know one thing I did not do well at all. I don't necessarily keep up with everybody else's picks. I always have to go back and watch. But for me, I mean, I, I think I honestly went like three and seven. I mean, it was, it was like, it wasn't just bad. It was like, atrocious Mm. so 
yeah, it was it was not my week at all. Uh, I felt like you know picking games. I felt like the Alabama defense. I just felt like I, I couldn't get anything right. So <laughs> you, were, you were one play behind the entire day, that, that's, just like Alabama's defense. That's exactly right. That's the way to put it. <laughs> well done. Um, but yeah, hopefully I bounce back this week. At this point, guys, if I was you, just start fading all of my picks. Go the exact Fade opposite it. way because. If you do that, I'm giving you a seven and three record. So just pick everything against me. I'm totally fine with that. Um, I take no offense. Just make money. That's that's all I worry about if you're going to take these picks. <laughs> but all right, Brett, that's going to wrap it up for me and you this week. Uh, our you only loyalty is that you acquire paper. That's our only loyalty. Hey, as long as we're yeah, if, if that's the whole point of the pick and podcast. Get that bag. That's exactly right. Well, all right, that's going to do it for another episode. Brett, we'll have your picks, and we'll be discussing those on Thursday. But, you know, you won't be on there, so I'll see you next week. Hopefully we're not hopping on here and be like, dude, we were totally wrong on that one. Uh, you know, at least as long as it's kept close, you know, regardless of outcome, I could probably live with it. But we'll see how things turn out. Um, but any final send-off thoughts? Um, best of luck to all of you trying to stay up late enough to finish a 7 o'clock game on CBS. Yep. Um, Best of luck to all of you. I would I would suggest a power nap at some point during the day. Um, those of you that own a Keurig, I would I would I would make sure it's dusted off and ready to go because you're probably going to need a cup around uh, maybe around halftime or so to to get you through. See, last year to start the year, it seemed like all of Alabama's games were early games uh, to where they're out there in that heat. Now that they've started the season later and everything's feeling cool. They're, Alabama's getting nothing but late games. The only early game they've had this year was against Texas A&M. So interesting stuff. But we'll sit around, watch some other college football, prepare for the evening, and have a good time doing it. So, Brett, once again, appreciate you hopping on here with me. And you know, for all the listeners out there, I'll talk, be talking to you guys on Thursday with Cecil and Hunter for the Pick'em Podcast. Once again, this has been the Bama Beat Podcast brought to you by Wickles Pickles. <laughs>